What's going on, friends? Welcome back to Forward Progress, live here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network and powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. I'm producer Jason. You can catch me here every Friday on the Forward Progress YouTube channel alongside the three lovely guests that you see right now on the screen. We got Matthew Freeman to my right uh, at Matt F. The Oracle on Twitter, head of betting over at Fantasy Life, Jack Miller, uh, part of ETR at Jack Miller. O- Zero two on Twitter, and then finally John Legaza at John Legaza. You can catch him over at the Athletic Guys. Uh, we've been doing a great job on this prop show recently, and I just want to remind everyone: if you want to drop comments and have any questions about any plays you have throughout the week, you can drop them in the comment section below. All you have to do is be subscribed to the channel, so hit that subscribe button. Drop your plays in the chat. We already have someone coming back from last week saying thank you for the Devonte and McBride tips saying they should have allowed them. We we gave out a McBride over and a Devontae Smith over. Uh, just trying to help you guys out here. So again, remember, this is a two-way street here. So if you guys want to drop your comments, please feel free to drop them below. And hey, while you're doing that, you might as well give us a like as well. feel like we've earned it the last couple of weeks. Let's jump right into this thing, though. I like to usually start with the Thursday night football matchup. But the Thursday night football matchup got me thinking about something kind of on a greater scale here, right? I think the biggest story coming into this week is how many... I don't want to say quarterback injuries, but how much quarterback turnover we've seen week over week compared to last week, right? Like this week alone, we have the Rams starting Brett Rippon injured in for the injured Matt Stafford. We got the Cardinals starting either Clayton Toon or Kyler Murray. We don't really know yet, but Josh Dobbs got traded out of there, so he's not going to be starting for them. Vikings going to probably Jaron Hall with the Cousins injury. Giants going back to Daniel Jones with Tyrod Taylor, the Tyrod Taylor injury. Aiden O'Connell starting for Jimmy, Jimmy G after Aiden O'Connell got benched. So what... We've seen a ton of quarterback turnover this this year. It feels like there's a lot more than last year. We've seen Tyson Bajan step in, PJ Walker step in. And when those guys step in, you kind of see different tendencies, right? Like some might be more prone to throwing to their running backs compared to the, the previous quarterback, right? We saw that with Will Levis last night, who loves to push that ball downfield. We never saw that with Ryan Tannehill. And it kind of changes the way you think about DeAndre Hopkins this year, right? So my question to you guys, and we'll start with Jack here. How do you guys kind of, prepare and account for these new situations where quarterbacks might have different tendencies than other quarterbacks, especially with ones that we don't really have priors on. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely tough. Um, I, I do think what you brought up about rethinking the the target distribution potentially makes a lot of sense. Like we saw Will Levis um, throw, has thrown to running backs a lot more than uh, mm-hmm. Tannehill has. Tyson Bajan has also thrown to running backs a lot of the time. I, I think there's probably a narrative that, that younger quarterbacks fixate on maybe running backs and tight ends uh that's more of a, of a narrative based thing so i think it's a little dangerous to just blindly accept that as fact but you know for for someone like the the rams and brett ripian we've seen cup and puka nakua combine for almost 60 percent of targets uh since cups come back and you know maybe that is a little bit at risk uh with ripian there you know but on the other side you could also argue that with uh ripian he fixates more on his top two targets so it could go either way but there's just a little bit more risk i think in uh someone like cup and nakua with someone like uh jaron hall he he runs a bit more he's a rookie so we've seen the vikings be super pass heavy this year maybe they try to lean a little bit more on the run with a a rookie um and and a bit more mobile option Uh, and then you know someone like clayton toon who is also a, a day three rookie and facing the Browns defense. He's probably just not, I don't think it's going to go very well for him. Um, but maybe the, the tight end targets that we've seen from Josh Dobbs are a little bit more uh, not as set in stone. Yeah, fair enough. Some of those things might carry over, right? Cause some of them might be scheme, but again, we don't really know for sure until we kind of see it 
on the field here. I always like to say uncertainty definitely favors the better here, right? We don't have to bet everything on the board. The the lines, there's excuse me, the books have to post all these props on the board, right? So, John, how are you kind of handling this this uncertain time for quarterbacks? I mean, I'm pretty much preparing. Like, this is my time to shine, right? If you're playing reception ladders and looking for that kind of stuff, man, it's funny because I really do agree with what Jack's saying. We never want to just blindly take anything. There's always case by case. That said, I do think once we get the signal that we have a young quarterback that targets the running back, then it's like wheels up for a player like me. Now, to the betting spectrum at large, it makes it very difficult. I generally don't like to bet on rookie quarterbacks, debut quarterbacks, guys coming off an injury. So all that chaos that you mentioned, I generally stay away from the regular lines. But I think it's wheels up for a lot of prop stuff in particular to running back and tight end receptions, which tend to get the juiciest prices on them. I'm going to be looking for quite a bit of them this week because that's just what you get. You know, the young guys see a little bit of pressure, and it's everything to say that they see ghosts. I mean, you'd rather them dump off like Beijing is doing than take sacks. The guy does not take any sacks. You know, those sacks are a drive killer. We've heard a lot of that this year. Those are really impactful stats. How badly, you know, taking a sack hurts your chances of scoring a touchdown or scoring points at all. So, hey, man, give me those check downs. Yeah, and Eric Eager of the of this, uh, you can catch him every uh, Wednesday and Thursday here on this channel. He's done a lot of research with PFF going into sack avoidance and how that kind of correlates with better yeah. quarterback play and just makes sense intuitively if you're not giving up those extra five, you're, you're not taking a five-yard loss on first down there. Uh, moving on to you, Matt. Uh, I'm just curious how you like project this out, right? You have your you have your model there and you kind of run through these projections. Like, Do you kind of just throw out like the wide receiver usage stuff or the targets when you when when these quarterback injuries occur and there's a, a changeover to a guy we've never seen before like in this in the case of the Vikings here or the Cardinals maybe like or what how do you kind of how do you navigate that yeah it's it's very much case by case which is like a, a terrible answer but it really because all of these guys are so different um you know sometimes it's a a backup and we have a decent sense of who he is we just haven't seen him in that system before other times it's, you know, like a day three rookie quarterback that we really don't have much sense of in the NFL, but we can still look at the tendencies of what this guy did in college. And we still have like the scheme of uh, like what the coach or the play caller does. And presumably like the play caller, like once that quarterback in the building, like selected that quarterback because there is in theory, some sort of scheme fit. So mm -hmm. I, I don't make all that big of an adjustment um, okay. because I still think that like most, most play callers will want to try to fit the backup into what it is that they already do. And uh, I think the big takeaway is that we just have to know that the backup is going to do it less well in most circumstances. Like that for me is like actually the big thing, like that, like the backup is a backup for a reason. And it's not as if like this production maintains its level. Like, the, the pie shrinks and like when that happens, I think like generally we still see the top dog get close to his like normal amount. But I think like all of the other dogs end up getting a lot less. That's not like always the case, but I generally think that 
that is the case. So I, I think that's the important thing to keep in mind. Like even from like a, an against the spread perspective, like the drop off from uh, Kirk Cousins to uh, Jaron Hall, like that's over a touch a touchdown. Like yeah. that's I think like six point five points is roughly like around the vicinity where I have it. So like that just means there is way less production to go around for everyone. And I think like that is really the important part to get right. Um, just like that, that top level production. And then the way it funnels down to the team, it's not that that takes care of itself, but like that part, I think is just a little bit more standard. Yeah. And that's the part that's kind of hard for some to quantify out there, but Hey, if you're struggling quantifying that, remember there's the chat right beside us right here. You can drop your comments on who you're looking at, uh, especially in these uncertain games. And we will be happy to discuss them later on in the show in the Q and a portion of the show, but let's get into our best bets here. Before we do that, though, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor over at Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book, offering competitive odds for 25 years. We love to preach line shopping on this channel, especially when we're betting props here, uh, which means Pinnacle should be one of your available outs. They often have some of the best prices. They definitely have the best prices for sides and totals, but sometimes have the best prices for props as well. If you're looking to support the show, make sure you use, use code HAMMER when signing up to Pinnacle. That's code HAMMER. When signing up to Pinnacle, your trusted sportsbook for 25 years, bet smart, bet Pinnacle must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly and not available in the U.S. Let's just jump right into it, uh, Matt. Let's start with you here. We're going back to the well. Last week we hit it. Let's hit it again this week. We're going to start off with the one o'clock game between the Saints and the Bears. Bears D incredibly porous this year. Uh, this is the third week we're looking at the Saints team uh, in the run game. But hey, we're not looking in this. We're, we're looking in the backfield, but we're not looking at a running back here. We're actually looking at a quarterback here. So I'm pretty sure I already buried the lead. But Matt, uh, floor is yours. Who do you like in the Saints-Bears game? Yeah, Taysom Hill. Uh, I feel like this feels like cheating or like there's <laughs> like something dirty to talk about, like a Taysom Hill rushing prop. But, you know, talked about it last week. I've, I've bet it two weeks in a row now. I think this number is still too low. I, I bet it at over 15 and a half. Uh, I would continue to bet it up. Uh, you know, I'd say 18 and a half, 19 and a half. I'd probably still be comfortable taking it at that number. Uh, you know, I, I talked about this last week in the sample we have of no Sean Payton. Instead, offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael is the play caller in that sample. Uh, Taysom Hill has not been a quarterback at all, like a starting quarterback. He's just been an all-around offensive weapon. So it's a representative sample of games. In those games, he's had 5.6 carries for 32.4 yards, a median of five carries and 20 yards. And, you know, technically he's classified as a quarterback by the Saints. Um, and so like when you're looking at advanced metrics, like he's often listed as a quarterback. And so like uh, if you look at uh, rbsdm.com, uh, AKA running backs don't matter, like he's listed there as a quarterback and he's number one in composite EPA and completion percentage. If you like go down far enough in the number of plays and like, that's not to say like, Oh, Hey, he's their best quarterback or he should be their starting quarterback. But like it highlights that whenever they give him the ball, good things tend to happen within that offense. So like they are incentivized to give him the ball kind of as much as they theoretically think that they can. And that's what they've done the past couple of weeks. He's had a 20% designed rush rate over the past two games. That is an incredibly high number for a guy who's basically like just a gadget player. And I expect him to have a comparable run rate this week. And I think that gives him a really good chance of going over 15 and a half. And again, this is like 15 and a half is the low end now in the market. Uh, there are 17 and a halfs out there. Mm -hmm. I would still take it. 
So yeah, market right now, 15 and a half is the best price I can find. I'm locking that in at minus 118, but there's widely available 16 and a half. There's a 17 and a half out there, 18 and a half. It's starting to creep up a bit, but last week we saw it at 10 and a half here. So, and we're sounds like Matt, you're willing to take this all the way up to around 19 and a half here. So locking that in Taysom Hill over 15 and a half rushing yards minus 118 here. Let's flip over to the other side of the ball. Uh, John, you're looking at someone on the Bears side. Bears seven and a half point underdogs on the road here to the Saints. Markets implying a pass heavy game script. You would think for the Bears with the uh, them being by excuse me dogs by a touchdown here. Uh, you love your reception ladders, John. Just Always. take it away. Who do you like on the Bears here? Yeah, come on. Plus money betting and reception ladders in the age of preventative defenses. I'm going to stick with what's working. Right, it's not broken. I'm not fixing it. Give me the Roshan Johnson reception ladder. Again, you mentioned that I've seen the line kind of oscillate seven and a half, eight, eight and a half. Regardless, the Bears are at least a touchdown underdog with good reason. And we've seen Roshan be the pass catching back. Last week, he had three receptions. Now, I was watching that one closely because I like Bear reception ladders. Bajan's always completing passes like crazy. But Darrington Evans actually ended up on the box score with three catches himself, but it was all at the end of the game after that one was out of hand. So I don't really think Roshan is being usurped by Darrington Evans. I think coming off the IR, remember he had that rough kind of concussion scare, and I, he was getting work when it was competitive. I think at that point they might have just said, yo, man, you know, we'll, we'll get him next time. Let's just recover healthy. So I think the game script is intact. Then the Saints kind of, again, stylistically play the type of defense. Their fourth Highest man rate, that's 34%. They're also sixth in hurries, 13 and a half. So the ball's going to come out fast. Bajan, that's kind of his thing. The short, high probability throws, check it out. 3.6% sack rate is second to some guy named Patrick Mahomes. Only five yards per attempt, which you know is not great, but we're not looking for yardage here. We're looking at that better than 70% completion percentage and a better than 27% targets to running back. Jack was kind of alluding to it before. He's 39th of... 40 quarterbacks. There's only 32 teams last I checked. The only player worse is Aiden O'Connell. Like also Jack mentioned before, it's funny. I was kind of squirming around when he said that. So I want I didn't want you to deflate that one. I was hoping not to get any cold water. So give me Roshan. I think we get three catches. This one is at plus 225 for the pass catching back that dominates the snaps when they're behind. And we're down, you know, eight-point dog. So give me Roshan. And the fourth catch is actually plus 625. He had six catches in the first game. I'm hoping the concussion stuff is in the rear view. I don't think five or six catches is really that outlandish. Jay, you know I've been taking advantage of these prices all year. So give me the Roshan reception ladder. Yeah, and we're almost 20, 20 days removed from him coming off of uh, the concussion protocol here. So it seems like he should be good to go with that much I hope so. time off. And, and, and you mentioned here the snap counts. We've seen him get, uh, like, he got 36% of the share last week. And like you mentioned, it just probably got out of hand for them. And they just said, F it. Let's let him sit. Let's let our, our young guy who's like new and who we seem to like in this system. Let's give him a break here who just got a concussion. Let's let everyone else get the ball here. Uh, so I love this one. Lock that in. Oh, yeah, I have the uh, 0.7 units on the over two and a half receptions at plus 225.3 units on the over three and a half receptions plus 625 here. And a reminder, all bets are locked in on our forward progress HQ bet stamp account. You can see on the screen right here. It's spelled FWD progress. HQ, uh, type that in on Betstamp. You can find our account there. All of our plays are tracked live on the show as we're recording them. So, I mean, if you're looking to, if you ever miss out on a show, you're out and about and you can't really catch up, you can always check out our plays after the fact on there or check out the video. So uh, don't, don't don't forget to smash the like button. It helps us out a lot. Anyways, moving on. Let's uh, take a look at the Texans versus Bucks game also at on the 1 p.m. slate here. Texans at home and the market has them as 
home favorites here. Uh, they're somewhere between two and a half to three. I'm seeing a lot of juice to two and a half on the board. A couple of threes popping up now. Jack, you're looking at this spot. I think we went to this guy two weeks ago. Um, but let's go back to the well. Under longest receptions, who do you like on the on? Excuse me, who do you like for the Bucks here? Yeah, I figure if it's not broke, don't fix it. And we're gonna go back to to Kate on under longest reception. Um, it's listed at 13 and a half most places. He's only gone over this number in two games all year. His average depth of target is 5.6. He's averaging, I think, I, I just clicked off the page, but I think it was 7.9 yards per reception. Uh, he's out there on pretty much every snap, but he's only uh, gotten a, an 11.7% target share on the season. So he's not commanding a bunch of targets. When he does command a lot of targets, they're relatively close to the line of scrimmage. And I mean, just from game log watching, you can see that he he's only gone over this twice all year. So, uh, yeah, I, I like Otten under 13 and a half longest reception. Yeah. And uh, as before, you or as you sent this in, you sent this in a couple hours ago to me. It's already moved. It's at a minus 120 right now. Minus 125 across the board. You still comfortable with the 125 here? Yeah, that's fine. All right, there's a there's one minus one fifteen available. Not going to take it for transparency's sake. There's also minus one twenty available. Also not going to take that for transparency's sake. There's a bunch of minus one twenty fives. But if you have those sports books uh, that are offering that minus one fifteen, that minus one eighteen, or that minus one twenty, please feel free to go out and grab that, snatch that up before uh, it's gone because this line is obviously moving in that direction here. And I love what you said about K Don here. It seems like Baker Mayfield really has those cojones this year. And he's, he wants to push the ball downfield, wants to send Mike Evans down deep, wants to send uh, Chris Godwin down deep. So hopefully we don't see a lot of K Don at one o'clock uh, Texans versus the Bucks there. All right, let's move on. Let's flip over to the side. Oh, I wanted to throw in something on, on the yak Sorry. stuff because I was actually looking at something like this too. I really like these, these under length props but to Otten I don't I don't really know I guess the book kind of feels stuck Jay you were mentioning how they do have to you know kind of list these things but to, to me this number that number is way too high his air yards per targets below six his yard his yak per reception is a smidge above three I mean that number should probably be closer to the averages which is like nine or maybe even if you went to ten so if you're talking 12 or 13 he has to like double his yeah. I mean, it's just not it's just not happening. If you see the way they use him too, he's like the last resort. It's a total double. This is a really sharp play. Yeah, I love it here from uh from from Jack. All right, let's move on to the Sunday night football game. Uh let's head over some primetime uh NFL action. One of the best games maybe we'll see all year in primetime. We got the Bengals taking on the Bills. Bengals right now, two and a half point favorites at home. And I think like if you looked at this game two or three weeks into the season, you saw that two and a half favorites for the Bengals. I think you'd be pretty shocked. But since then, we've seen the Bengals get so much healthier and the Bills just absolutely decimated with injuries here. Uh, last Thursday, yes, last week, Thursday, we saw the breakout of Dal Dalton Kincaid, uh, Utah Ute guy who I saw absolutely destroy my USC Trojans last year. Uh, it was fun to see, but uh, Matt, you're liking what you saw with Dalton Kincaid. Who, tell us what you like here from a uh, prop perspective. Yeah, I like the over of three and a half receptions. I bet this first at, uh, I believe, minus 130 or 135. And it, it has moved up in the market. And I still think it's fine. It's like, I think anywhere from like minus 150 to minus 170 now in the market. And maybe I, I would say like you could, uh, you could pull a John and uh, take, you know, like go up, like go like to four and a half uh, and maybe bet this at, at the plus money there. Uh, Cause I think you'd have better odds there. My projection for this is 4.2, but like, I just feel as if my projection is probably too low. Like our official projections are at 4.7. 
Uh, and I think like my projection is just a little bit too conservative uh, given what we've seen out of Dalton Kincaid since the breakout. So since returning in week seven from the concussion that had him out in week six, he's had 15 targets in two games. <laughs> turn those into 13 receptions. I think that usage is pretty sticky given that Dawson Knox is out on IR mm -hmm. with the wrist injury. Oh, yeah. So it's still, you know, like the full the full workload for Dalton Kincaid. And he's going against a Bengals defense that uh, you know, in the offseason, they lost the strength of their secondary. They lost both safeties in Von Bell and Jesse Bates. Uh, and so they're giving up 5.9 receptions per game to tight ends this year. The three tight ends who were most comparable to Kincaid to play the Bengals, that's Mark Andrews, Tyler Higby, George Kittle. All of those guys had at least five receptions. Kittle last week just had nine receptions. So all of them easily went over, <clears throat> over three and a half. All of them went over four and a half. So I still think that there's room at four and a half if this number moves up or if you want to take the alt line and get like plus odds there. I still think that there's uh, upside here. So, you know, given the the usage, given the production, and given his talent, like he's he's a first round tight end, uh, and this is going to be a high scoring game. I think like the the over in this market has taken sharp money all week and has continued to move up. Like it wouldn't be a surprise if this number closed in the fifties. So, given all that, I think a high scoring game. We could see a lot of targets get funneled to Kincaid. Yeah, and if you were able to catch our so forward many pass attempts, oh my god, it's going to be great. So many pass attempts. And if you caught our forward progress show here on Friday, or excuse me, on Wednesday, you would have seen Hitman give out this over at forty-eight and a half. But he was, we were, as we were talking about it, it went from forty-eight and a half to forty-nine and a half. So we had to give out the forty-nine and a half. We're still sitting at that fifty and a half now. So we got that CLV here. So good stuff, Hitman. But uh, yeah, I, I love this spot for Kincaid. And for those who don't know, who, who haven't seen Dalton Kincaid, I'm sure you have now with the primetime game. But go look up his highlights against USC. I think it was October fifteenth. He had two hundred and thirty-nine yards and a touchdown. He was. He absolutely tore up the, that USCD, and I was very, very sad that night. But it was a pleasure watching him. I'm going to be honest. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't watched that, go watch that. It was a lot of a lot of fun to watch that game. All right, let's get on to our next prop here. We're going to take a look at the Giants who are taking on the Raiders. And, I mean, this might be – it was almost slated to be one of the worst quarterback matches up, uh, matchups I've ever seen in my entire life. But it looks like Daniel Jones is back. Look like Daniel Jones is healthy. Um, so, I mean, that is much needed for this New York Giants team considering Tyrod Taylor is hurt here. Jack, you're looking at – Another longest reception in this game. You're looking at another under in this game. So who are you taking here? Yeah, we're going to go with Wandale Robinson under 15 and a half longest reception. Um, it's it's a little bit scary, I guess, because he's going to get peppered with volume. So even if uh, even if he his average is like, you know, eight, then maybe he gets there just on volume alone with Darren Waller out. But he, he's, he has one target over 13 yards all season long. Um, and his average depth of target is 3.4. So it's really just a bet on him being used close to the line of scrimmage, even if he is going to have a 20, 21, 22% target share. And then Darius Slayton and Jalen Hyatt being the guys who are actually uh, moving the balls, moving the ball in, in chunks for, for the Giants. Yeah. And, uh, just before we touch on this game, I just want to remind everyone that we locked in that Dalton Kincaid prop at minus 150, not the, the minus 130 that I had originally on the shoes, minus 150 widely available number. So, sorry, uh, back to this game though. Wandale Robinson, I love what you said there. Jalen Hyatt's looked really great for this New York Giants team. Wandale Robinson, really only used in this short game. You said something about getting peppered with targets, and that's where I turned to John, who also has Wandale Robinson on his prop sheet here. Uh, two guys, uh, one, two props here on the same guy, slightly different directions, but I think they both could hit. So, John, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, this is actually really funny. You'd never 
be that confident in a reception ladder and a player going other. But man, my man Jack nailed it. This is a purely vo- a purely a volume play. And again, Wandale is just it's a possession thing. Three and a half air yards per target, which Shaq mentioned, 3.8 yak per reception. Like, it's just not there for him. That's not the game. They're going to throw it to him early and often. The Vegas defense is banged up pretty bad. Crosby and Spillane did get in limited practices, but Diablo did not. They can't afford to lose any more pieces. They run the third highest rate of nickel. That's over 80%. And then they mix in just a ton of, like, cover three and quarters, more of that preventative stuff that I'm always looking to work underneath. They've allowed 21 completions at least each of the last three games, an average just over 24, and that's the Patriots' The Bears and the Lions, not really world beaters. They've allowed 72% completions in that span. Again, it's a function of the defense. They're allowing this. That's where I like to operate. Like, they're going to give it to me. I'm going to take it in that span that was the 30th among defenses. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. Someone said it. No, Darren Waller. That probably should have been enough to bet this one right off the bat. He had led the Giants with 51 targets year to date. Next up, that was 34. Yes, it's Darius Slayton. But he played every single game. Wandale has not. So if you look at targets per game, the leader on the team is Wandale at nearly five. With Daniel Jones, 28% target per route. That leads the team. 87% catch rate, which is absurd. That's like a league lead, probably right below C.D. Lamb for the league lead. Zero drops year to date, man. Give me Wandale. He's going to get it early. He's going to get it often. He's practiced all week. Five receptions is plus 195. Six receptions is plus 390. I absolutely think we get to a plus 390. Maybe my faith is a little misplaced in some of these ladder props, Jay, but I feel like we're really picking them off. I feel really good about six catches for Wandale Robinson. I cannot imagine that we have to run this one back four times to get there. But again, the proof's been in the pudding, man. My ROI in these things like up over 20% for the year. It's a little outlandish. I'm expecting a regression, but not on this game, man. Give me Wandale for the volume. Again, he might get eight catches for like 19 yards, and that's fine. Me and Jack will both be cashing. I'll see you at the window, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, like like Jack mentioned here, peppered with targets here, right? And my favorite part about these under longest receptions thing is that it's not like an under on yards, like where a guy can potentially like get it by getting a ton of volume here, right? It's like a longest reception. So it's like if they're getting peppered with those short area targets, you're still in, in play to hit these. And like you said, Jack, the yak, all that stuff. Uh, I love the, these Wandell Robinson props here. And honestly, a lot of fun to root for, if we're going to be honest, especially when you have their over receptions. Uh, but yeah. Love this yeah. one. Uh, let's I, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I just wanted to jump in. Last night when I was uh, looking at this stuff, I was actually looking to see what price I could get on Wandale over three and a half catches and under 15 and a half longest because some of the books, the correlation uh, is a little bit not great. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I could not find a, a price I was happy with there. So, but I do, I do like, I do lean that way on John's prop as well, even though nice. I like. You would think they would boost you for that, right? They're kind of negatively, not in theory, like I've been talking about it, but you wouldn't think that they'd punish you for that one. Yeah, we'll find it somewhere. <laughs> we'll keep an eye out for that one. All right, uh, let's move on to our last prop of the night here, or of the day here. Excuse me, we're heading over to Monday Night Football. Uh, we got yeah. the Chargers on the road to the Jets. Chargers three and a half road favorites uh, in this spot here. I for one cannot wait to watch this game on prime time. Two teams that are both elite on one side of the ball, and then an absolute tire fire on the other. Jets offense has struggled to create explosive plays all year. Meanwhile, the Chargers on the other side of the ball defensively have given up a ton of explosive plays here. It's hilarious. It's like a movable force meeting an immovable. Uh, I messed that up. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Matt, who do you like here for uh, the the Jets offense? You're looking to tail someone on this offense. Who do you like? Yeah, Brees Hall over 17 and a half receiving yards. I have this projected around 26. And I would say like my betting cutoff would probably be like 21 and a half, 22 and a half. 
uh, you know, obviously uh, coming off of the season ending injury uh, from last year, he was eased into action in weeks one through four, uh, had just a 40% snap rate, just two targets per game in the first month. Uh, in weeks five and six, they really started to ramp him up. He had four targets per game in those two games uh, and a 60% snap rate. And then the week seven bye. So coming out of that in week eight, fully healthy, uh, 64% snap rate, nine targets. Now, obviously, like we're not going to expect nine targets this week, but I, I think the usage that we've seen out of him in the past month speaks to a couple of things. Like one, they know that he's a dynamic playmaker and they kind of want to get him the ball, however it is that they can. And then two, um, they have this offensive line that is very makeshift right now. And I think they probably see, okay, like we can use the short passing game as an extension of the running game. And maybe in some cases, instead of handing it to Brees Hall, let's throw it to him because we'll have more success that way than if we hand it to him behind this offensive line that really isn't as coordinated as it should be in the blocking scheme. And then, you know, the third thing is just you've got Zach Wilson there uh, and they are amazingly winning some games with him. But I I feel like it's a situation where they know they have to manage him. And so, like, look, you can throw it deep to Garrett Wilson. You can let him make plays. But when you're not throwing it to him on the outside, you're dumping it off to Brees Hall and letting him make plays for you in the short passing game. And so I, I feel like the nine targets, obviously, you can't project him for nine targets. But, like, you can project him for pretty hefty targets. In his past three games, since he really started to ramp up, uh, I mean, 147 yards receiving on 17 targets. He's 3-0 and to the over on his receiving yardage prop in that span. And the thing that is just wild to me is that just two weeks ago in week five, uh, his prop number was 15 and a half. And now it's only 17 and a half. Like, even though we have seen him really become an important part of the passing game the past three weeks, the market hasn't adjusted nearly enough for that. So I, I still feel like we have like, this information of the past three weeks and basically the same line in the market. Uh, so I feel like it, this is a very exploitable opportunity. Matt, For just sure. to expand on that, he's gone over 50 yards each of the last two weeks. That number is posted at plus 750. You have 1,000% identified the lag in betting markets. Absolutely. Even even the handicappers themselves, like the linemakers themselves sometimes, fall behind that stuff. You're in front of the usage. That's tremendous. As a Jets fan, I also know we're all rooting for those passes to Brees Hall. We know Zach Wilson has kind of had trouble with improv, let's say, right? He's turned his back, rolled out, taken bad sacks. Talk about, like, the two players swinging dodgeball, getting the ball to Brees Hall. And again, they're underdogs. You could get that on the last drive. Man, that is awesome. <laughs> Anybody that subscribes to my stuff, don't be surprised if you see that on my ticket this weekend. For real. That's a, dude, that's a, sma that's a smash play. Plus 750 for 50 yards, that's a smash play. Yeah, and we, I talked about explosive plays earlier. Just struggling to generate them, but when they do, it's all Brees Hall here, right? So he's I mean, sick. Yeah, he's sick. <laughs> absolute, uh, like he looks great uh, since coming back from injury. Here, that wraps it up for us. Remind you can find all the plays if you missed out on the show tracked on the Forward Progress HQ Bet Stamp account. If you're watching this live and you missed out on some of the show, drop a like button, then head over to the Bet Stamp page if you want to see all the plays, but you don't have the time to watch the entire video. It's all good. We understand. Just please drop that like button before we head out, guys. Just one question in the chat. Uh, Josh asking who also asked the question last week about Devonte Smith and uh, Trey McBride here. Uh, he's asking about T Higgins. He's looking for a, a buy the dip spot, right? Last week we got Devonte Smith this week. He's asking about T Higgins. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. He's looking at T Higgins 
over 48 and a half minus 115. We talked a little bit earlier how this total has creeped up from that 47 and a half, 48 and a half, 49 and a half, all the way up to 50 and a half here at the total for the Bills Bengals game. So uh, the Bengals here, T Higgins wide receiver for the, the Bengals over 48 and a half minus 115. Matt, are you leaning towards that? Yeah, I have the projection at 57.7. And I, I feel like uh, we had a question on T Higgins last week as well. Maybe I'm, I'm misremembering that, but you know, 47 and a half is pretty much the low mark that we've seen in the market. He did have 46 and a half last week. But so, you know, like same vicinity, but you look at what he had earlier in the year uh, in week three, this number was 68.5. Uh, and you know, obviously week one, he had nothing, uh, like no production, but eight targets, which is fantastic. Massive bounce back in week two with the 89 yards receiving, I believe he got injured in week three. And of course that impacted his ability after that. And then a great, uh, bounce back to form last week, uh, with a nice 69 yards on the 46 and a half total in the market. So yeah, it feels like another spot where, uh, if I were betting this, I would be on the over. And I, I'm just just want to throw it to you, John, quickly. Just I haven't I haven't been able to pull up the ladders yet, the the prices on them. But is that is this a guy you might want to look for a, a uh, excuse me a receiving yards ladder scenario here, right? My thought process here is a squeaky wheel, right? Gets that grease. Uh, he's been hurt, like Matt said, got hurt in week three. Joe Burrow was hurt earlier in the season as well. So it seems like a, a great get right spot here for T Higgins, who is going up against a completely decimated Bills cornerback group, clustered injuries across the board. I mean, I feel like there's got to like teams have to account for Jamar Chase here. And that's kind of where T Higgins thrives, right? So we got a, a struggling cornerback group. We got Jamar Chase on the field alongside him. You'd think that T Higgins, this might be a perfect smash spot for him. So the line right now is at 48 and a half. I don't know if you were able to pull up the, uh, yeah, I got reception overs in time, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's it's funny the market has got to be into this. Maybe you'll be able to smash it as we're going because I got fifty at minus one ten. He's in the yardage. Then you go to seventy five. You got to get is plus three twenty, which is not bad. Get to a hundred is plus nine hundred, but now you're asking for a lot. And I think I'm somewhere in that middle one. I'd like to see if I can find, depending on the provider. That was bet three sixty five. They go by twenty fives. If you look at Fanduel, they go by tens. And that's where I think I'm at, where where Friedman was. I don't know if I want to get to 75, but I, you could probably sell me on 60 if there's a plus in front of that number. Again, this is a bet on Joe Burrow and being healthy. T. Higgins runs the kind of routes that need to develop. It's not going to work with a hurt quarterback. We saw Burrow and Buffalo allows a lot of completions. They're dinged up at all three levels also. I definitely like Higgins to go up. It's, just, it's hard to ask for 100 yards, but if you want to get me, to, again, to 50 or 60, 100%. Yeah, you can also shop around and find those 50s, 60s, 70s. It depends on the book that you look at for the dominations that they increase yeah. by. Jack, any thoughts here quickly on T. Higgins? What What are the ETR projections saying? What do you got for T. Higgins in this game against the Bills? Yeah, I'm I'm with uh, I'm with Friedman here. We have a little bit over 60 for Higgins. So uh, if I if I were to pick a side, I, I think it would definitely be the over. Yeah, so it seems like a slight lean over from the group here. And that just about does it for us, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for all of you who've stuck around from beginning to end of the show. We really appreciate you. If you don't mind, before you head out, smash that like button. If you're watching after the fact, after we go live, uh, drop a comment on what you're playing for props this weekend. Always curious to hear what the, the, the fans are out there playing. Uh, and before I head out there, quick reminder... Every Sunday, we go live 11 a.m. Eastern. Rob Pizzola will be live for the Pizza Buffet uh, during that uh, KC-Miami game where he's going to be going through the entire NFL Week 9 board. He'll be playing his 
favorite bets that are still currently available. So if you're subscribed to this channel and you're missing out on best bets, first of all, what are you doing? We got a ton of you. We got a ton for you here. But if you are, if you happen to not place any bets for the week, Rob's got you last minute to play Sunday morning, his favorite bets that are still widely available. That's the biggest thing for us here. And then afterwards, 8 p.m. Eastern, we will be going live. Rob is along alongside Clive Bigsby to recap week nine and look ahead to week 10 opening lines, trying to get you guys as much CLV as possible here. So guys, we really appreciate you tuning in for myself, for Matt, for Jack, for John. This has been Forward Progress, powered by Pinnacle on the Hammer Betting Network. Guys, good luck on your bets this weekend. We'll catch you later. Oh,